Welcome to the Speak In Flow podcast. Let's unleash your leadership voice. Listen in to the untold stories of high-performing leaders where they will reveal their golden takeaways to help you become fearless communicators and fast-track your career. Join us for the journey. Hello, today my guest is Ashley Ikeda. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist and counselor. I brought her on because as you all know, we have lots of communication breakdowns in families. It can be quite stressful. And so I wanted to hear from her expertise. What are some communication strategies to be able to overcome um, some of these breakdowns and build more solid relationships? And we're talking specifically around the communication between parent and child. I find it fascinating that um, even in the workplace, as a manager, the dynamic between parent and child is very similar between a manager and an employee. And so we're going to learn from Ashley, what are those specific strategies that can build people up, motivate them, or cause them to break down? And most of them, uh, we are actually not aware of what we're doing, what we're saying to break people down. So if you have an authority over somebody, this is the best uh, episode for you to learn how to use appropriate language in a powerful, effective way. I hope you enjoy it. Hi, Ashley. So glad you're here. Hi, Melinda. Thank you so much for inviting me. Oh my, you have so much experience and knowledge in this area. So I just want to dive right in, in terms of all the families that you've been supporting and helping. Uh, there's got to be a lot of different good communication um, and also ineffective communication ways of talking to each other. And so when you think about communication, uh, what do you think about off the bat in, in terms of communicating in a family? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so um, in my position, I've been a licensed therapist for about um, six years. And so I've seen communication in, in all sorts of forms, right? And I think the first thing that comes to mind is ineffective or unhelpful communication, right? And I, I, in my experience, I think there are both conscious, mostly unconscious biases that affect not only our way of communicating, but affect our ability to listen and really hear what the other person is saying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it clouds like, because it's unconscious, we're not aware of it and we all have them. Mm -hmm. And and this type of unconscious lens, Mm -hmm. um, we all have it and it prevents us from really hearing the other person. Mm -hmm. Right. So in my position, I work a lot with families, Mm -hmm. parents and teens, especially. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So there's I've, a lot going on there, a lot of uh, baggage and different lenses. We don't want to hear somebody. Oh, yes. Right. Yeah. Not only is there the family history, but there might be trauma history. There's also cultural and generational differences that affect the way that we communicate. And the unconscious biases that I was referring to, we call them cognitive distortions. Mm-hmm. So they're thoughts that not only distort your perception, but it also affects the way that you see yourself, how you see others, how you see the world. And it also influences your emotions. 
Mm. So can you speak about that from the parent's perspective? So mm-hmm. what is happening with the parent when they have these cognitive distortions and mm-hmm. what is the lens that they are speaking from? I think one of the most common ones are all or nothing thinking or black or white thinking and also should statements. Wow. Yeah. So what does that sound like? So I think typically we label things as good or bad, Mm -hmm. right? So I think if a teen is coming to the, to their parent with an issue, sometimes it's really hard for the parent to see the shades of gray that the teen might be experiencing. Like, let's say, for example, teen is coming to their parent sharing that they recently use substances, right? right. right? Okay. And, and instead of um, a parent coming from a place of curiosity, I think it automatically goes to a place of judgment. Oh, oh this is bad. Yeah. Um, my teen should not be doing this. Yeah. And instantly there's a block in communication. Yeah. I mean, I'm surprised actually, I would think that by now, but I'm just assuming by now that most parents are are starting to be more open or are you feeling, seeing that it's still a lot of black and white thinking you're bad or you're good? I'm, I'm definitely seeing more of a shift towards Mm -hmm. understanding and realizing that not everything is good or bad, but mm-hmm. I still don't think that there is enough education mm-hmm. that's provided generally. Right. Unless you've seen a therapist, you wouldn't uh-huh. know about cognitive distortions. Uh-huh. And we have a lot of parents who come to us who mm, have a general understanding of mental health, but I think there's still a lot to be learned. Yeah. Yeah. I think the pandemic or the the sh- the pandemic has really I think normalized therapy, but I think the problem is is that a lot of the teens are coming to us for therapy, but I know that in order for the teen to change, the whole family needs to change. Right, right, right. And it's- so when the the parent um is speaking from Probably. And so tell me a little bit more about how that usually the communication, how it comes across. Like you said, they start to blame or or, or label the, mm-hmm. the child as you're bad. Mm-hmm. They might start using words as like blaming words. Mm-hmm. How can you do that? Yeah. You're, you're, you're wrong. What did you do? And blame the child. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily take as much responsibility, even though they might feel it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we learn how to communicate through our parents, mm-hmm. right? Socially, culturally. Yeah, yeah. So if if you if you were talked to in that way, using um, blaming statements, or uh, these are some of the common unhealthy okay. communication strategies that parents use, and right. this is this sounds like blaming and accusing. Like, oh, you did it again. What's wrong with you? Like, let's um, say like a teen puts a, a, he's trying to cook something and he he puts his pan on the, on the stove and starts to like, it it starts to burn, right? So the parent may instantly blame and accuse, say, oh, you did it again. You put oil in the pan and 
you just left the room. What's wrong with you? You could have started a fire. Yeah. So that might sound like blaming and accusing. There is also name calling. Mm -hmm. And this could sound like, how could you forget to lock your bike? Right. That was stupid. No wonder it got stolen. I can't believe you're so irresponsible. It brings back memories. Mm -hmm. I would, my dad used to say, you're stupid. You're never going to graduate. You don't know what you're doing. And in his mind, he thinks that he's helping me. I mean, that was his upbringing. That's probably how he was taught. Right. And so for him, for him to do that to me, I think he thinks that, I mean, did you experience something like that? Mm -hmm, Definitely. It's a criticism and they feel like that's how I'm going to help this person. Mm -hmm. Yes. It took me a long time to understand the difference between intent versus impact, right? I received the same kind of upbringing. And while I believe that my parent had good intentions, right? She was trying to raise me to be a respectful person. But at the same time, the impact it had on me, I think was damaging, Mm -hmm. right? Because I started to believe that everything I did reflected me as a person, Right, the grades that I got, the um, the job that I had. And so I think it becomes really detrimental to a person's self-esteem when they're being told you're stupid, you're dumb for doing these things. And then we internalize that belief. Gosh, I thought I was stupid for the longest time. <laughs> That's why I went to GGU with you when I saw you <laughs> get my master's. I was like, I'm going to prove him wrong. So part of him, it did work a little bit because I wanted to prove him wrong. But at the same time, I know that with flow, like having me studied flow for a long time, mm-hmm. um, one of the benefits of of capitalizing on someone's strengths or values, I think they just have a much better, easier time and more flow and growth and expansion mm-hmm. uh, versus a push or a pull or a proving. Mm-hmm. I don't know what, I mean, what? What are your thoughts around that? Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think guilt has been used as um, as a tool right. to keep people in the path, right? So we're ancestors of hunter-gatherers, right? So we lived in tribes. Mm-hmm. And in order to keep a person in the tribe, you, you, a person would have to use shame or guilt, right, okay. to keep them in. Yeah, yeah. So I think there's that unconscious bias. Um, yeah. But also we have a negativity bias built into the brain, right? So it's much easier to point out the things that a person is doing wrong right. than it is to point um, than it is to point out when someone is doing something right. Um, and then also I think we live in a very fear-based mindset where um, you know a lot of our actions come out of fear. And I think a lot of parents have fears for their children. Right. And I think we try to use, uh, like you're saying with the flow mindset, right? Like we use a growth-based mindset and pointing yeah. out a person's strengths yeah. because I think that goes a long way because let's just say, um, you know, a team gets a bad grade on a test and the parent is like, oh, what's wrong with you? How could you get that out? You're so stupid. That team will most likely never want to be a part of that class again. Yeah. Right. Versus the parents saying, hey, that's okay, Right. Mistakes happen. This is how you learn. This is how you grow. We can work on this. Yeah. That'll probably feel more motivating for the team to want to do more of that. 
Right, right. So same thing with managers, right? So manager, you're talking about a parent and teen dynamic where a parent will reprimand the teen and then the teen doesn't want to do the, the the activity or the homework. And and so similar dynamic with a manager and also an employee, uh, mm-hmm. correct, right? It says a power, you, have, you, know, you do have authority over this person. And so how you use your words in terms of how to motivate that person is so important right if you're reprimanding the person they're just in fear and is that really what you want is that really going to create uh the outcome and from a fear-based mode versus someone that is free to to because they they feel confident because they feel um they're they're not afraid of messing up right Mm -hmm. you know because if they're afraid of messing up i found that if you people start to contract and then it becomes worse so if they're if you're open as a manager to allowing them to just mess up as long mm-hmm. as it's a safe area safe place then, mm-hmm. then they're going to be more open and experiment and get creative and then they end up succeeding and you know doing things that are even you know beyond what you probably would have thought because they had the freedom to mm-hmm. right yeah, I think the concept, yeah, go ahead. the growth mindset. Go ahead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted to kind of piggyback off of yeah. what you were saying, right? In yeah. terms of managers and parents using punitive and harsh and critical ways of um, maybe improving their team, right? We talked about the the difference between intent versus impact, but I think the consequence to that strategy is that it damages the relationship. Yeah. Right. right. This person will no longer want to come to you when they are experiencing a problem. Right. And right. then now maybe they're 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 hiding their work or you know, hiding the things that they're doing. Right. And parents and, wonder why is my daughter or my son in the room all the time? <laughs> yeah. Right. So I talk about keeping the lines of communication open. And in order for that to happen, there needs to be trust. And trust goes both ways, right? Um, I think trust has to be earned. So let's say what a parent has, there's some open line of communication. There's some trust there. What are some ways like, and if I'm a parent and I want to, I want to, uh, what is a call out a certain behavior that I, mm-hmm. I think that can be improved or that they can change. Like, what are some statements or suggestions that you have? Mm-hmm. So I think the first, um, I think the first skill that needs to be taught in practice is active listening. Mm. And I think a lot of people think active listening is much harder than it actually is. Right. And yes, it is. It, it is complicated because you do have to be aware of, of your unconscious biases and also be aware of your thoughts and feelings that might come up if if a teen or an employee is coming to you in a place of distress, mm-hmm. right? So you're kind of, you're, you're paying attention to both how you're, what you're thinking and how you're feeling, and also trying to understand what another person is thinking and feeling, mm-hmm. right? But in terms of active listening, um, the use of I statements is really important right? okay. because, um, so an I statement just sound like I think, or I feel, or I observe, I think a lot of people start off the sense with the word you, which can make a person feel defensive and then they'll shut down and 
there's no longer that open line of communicating. Mm-hmm. Right? A person has gone into that fight, fight, or freeze state. Right, right, right. right. I love that. All right, right. So first, um, knowing where you're coming in with the unconscious bias or certain assumptions, beliefs, and then knowing that the other person also has them too. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, uh, how, like being aware of them as much as we can, mm-hmm. and then moving more into active listening, trying to be present with the person, mm-hmm. um, actively listening to where they're at mm-hmm. and, and then using I statements, mm-hmm. I language. So that I hear this. So let me understand. I, you know, if I get this straight, I, I hear this, I'm noticing this. And so then that way it's, um, sends us a message that I am trying to listen. I'm trying to be here for you versus mm-hmm. trying to blame you for something. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I think, um, in my work with parents, yeah, they instantly jump into solution mode. Yeah. Right. Right. And they're they're trying to fix the problem instead of just listening. Yeah. Right? yeah. Which is some maybe something that all the person needs. Maybe they don't need a solution. Maybe they just need someone to listen. Right. And I think people worry, oh, like they have to come up with the perfect response. But I shared this video often um, with parents. It's uh, a video by Brene Brown, who's an amazing psychologist. Right who talks about the difference between empathy and sympathy, uh-huh. right? So empathy is really stepping into another person's shoes and being with them. And sympathy, it's a really cute little video where there's like a, an animal down in a hole and um, sympathy is kind of going into that hole with them and being with them. And sympathy is kind of this animal that's looking um, down into the hole. Right. And say, oh, yeah, it really sucks down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And then they say the words, but at least, right? Well, yeah. at least you have this and at yeah. least you have that. Yeah. All parents do that because they're trying to come like they're, they don't want the uh, child to be hurting. Mm-hmm. So they'll just reframe it and say, at least this is, it's not that bad. Mm-hmm. At least you have this. Oh, I'm sorry. You're down there and you're hurting. But at least there's this because mm-hmm. we want we want to bring them the solution. And like you said, sometimes they, they just want you to be with them, right? Mm-hmm. Be in the, the sadness with them or the disappointment. You know, they didn't get, you know, enrolled into, they didn't get selected for the sports team, you know, whatever that is, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah. And so tell me again, I mean, I'm so, I love this stuff. I really love this stuff because I really, I know that so many parents, managers are out there out there and just not having the right statements communication way to communicate with them and I think this is so powerful and effective um and and I don't know if we wait we, we went back into what are those if I did need to correct or or in, give them feedback about mm-hmm. a specific behavior mm-hmm. using the I language yep. are there certain statements like we want to be direct like how do we be right. direct and also empathetic at the same time without causing defensiveness. Do you have some tools for that? Yeah, so I think the first thing is maybe to um, externalize what a person might be feeling in order to create empathy, right? So let's just say a a teen gets a a bad grade on a test. Right, okay. Um, And they haven't studied, right? So let's just say 
it's not only about the grade, but it's like, hey, I noticed that you're out playing football or out watching TV. And then and then you get the bad grade. So we're noticing that the behavior that led up to the bad grade that we want to call out. Mm-hmm. How do we say that in an empathetic way? Mm-hmm. So there's a saying in psychology, we say name it, detain it. Okay. Right. Because emotions really do influence our thoughts and our behaviors. Right. 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 So most likely this teen is already feeling guilty and bad about getting this bad grade. And if you instantly go into that solution um, problem solving mode, you're not really empathizing or validating this teen's feelings. So first I might say, hey, you know, I, I noticed that you're feeling really upset. Right. Is there is there anything that happened? today so you want to just kind of pose a question right naming it, that naming it naming the feeling mm-hmm. naming that feeling first Got it. and you can also use yourself as an example right like oh gosh yeah I'd be really frustrated or sad if oh. I got an f on my math on my math test right right okay right so we're naming it and then to tame it so mm-hmm. I'm frustrated and naming that feeling or that emotion I, 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 yeah, that's frustrating. You got that F or that's, yeah, I'd be frustrated too. Like mm-hmm. that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Right. And then you want to really, um, you want to externalize the problem and mm-hmm. have them okay. understand that they're not the problem that, um, but that this problem is here. Yes. That we are both as a team tackling yes. right? yeah. like we're on the same side. We're not, we're not against each other. Mm-hmm. Right, but we need to figure out a solution to this problem. Yes. But sometimes a person may not be ready for it yet. Right. Mm-hmm. So I always like to ask first, what do you need in this moment? Mm-hmm. Right. Maybe, maybe this person just needs some space. Mm-hmm. And then when they're ready, when they're feeling more regulated, because we can't, you can't, you can't think rationally while you're feeling stressed or anxious or overwhelmed. Yeah. And so many times parents, managers, okay, let's come up with a solution. What are we going to do to fix this? How are we going to fix this? So you're saying like the ask for permission, right? Mm -hmm. Like ask for permission. What do you need right now? Um, And meeting a person where they're at. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Instead of trying to rush the process, right. because again, if, if they're in that fight, fight or free state, yeah. you're not going to get a logical, rational response. Yeah. Right. Right. Love it. So, and then once they are feeling, okay, they're ready, then what do we say to, like, I love the, and then also that the, the, the problem is outside. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? How, what are some statements? How do you communicate that to l- allow them to let them know that this is not you? Mm-hmm. There's so many times we could say, you didn't do this right. And so then that means I'm the problem. Mm-hmm. How do you communicate and make it clear that it's a problem outside, not you? Mm-hmm. You're not you're not the problem. Yeah. Huh? Again, coming from a place of curiosity, uh-huh. right? And you have every right to express your observations using those I statements. Yeah. Right. Like in ter- let let's go back to the teen who wasn't studying. Uh-huh. Right. And you could say, oh, you know, I noticed that um, last Wednesday that um, kind of after you got home from school, you just you you seemed really tired, and I noticed that um, that 
you you didn't study mm-hmm. or um, maybe you didn't have enough time to study. Right? So just coming at it from a place of curiosity. Mm-hmm. And most people know what they need, mm-hmm. but, you know, it's not about how smart you are. It's just about having effective strategies to be successful Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. kind of naming that right like again saying you know again like I it it has nothing to do with you as a person but there is this problem right and if the problem is not studying and I think helping one understand the reasons for why they're not studying right because I think avoidance it's another form of dealing, it's it's a form of anxiety, right? Mm-hmm. People avoid because there is something threatening or something scary. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, study, like a test. Yeah, that, your brain- Presentations, people do that all the time with presentations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so exactly. The same thing with a child and maybe they're just threatened. That's yeah. so true, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So as a way to cope, I'm going to avoid or yeah. I'm going to procrastinate. Right. And so normalizing that. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Wow. That is so good. That was so good. That was really helpful. Thank. Well, I mean, this, this it's, it, it's one of the most common issues, right? But yeah, I think there is that lack of understanding that I think a lot of what we do does come from that anxiety or fear, which I think is so ingrained in us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. And I think that's really, I think it starts in the ways that we communicate with each other, right? Because, you know, I think the words that we say to each other are, impactful but also the words that we say to ourselves yeah right and I think we are all so harsh and critical of ourselves and I think we automatically just behave out of fear mm-hmm. 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 so we're not growing our learning from the, in that place yeah right because we're afraid that we're not good enough Mm-hmm. Or we're afraid that other people are experiencing they're not good enough. And so mm-hmm. we start to speak from fear. Yeah. Uh, love that. And so what is one piece of advice or a couple of statements that you want to leave parents? Um, one, one thing that I learned from, um, one of my professors in grad school is when he was teaching us active listening, he said, it's really simple. You just basically have to repeat the last, the last sentence that the person said. Yeah. Right. 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 But um, the way that you say it could create an opportunity for more conversation. Right. So um Maybe we could try practicing this. Maybe, uh, Melinda, do you mind just saying anything that comes to mind? Uh, I am passionate about leadership. Hmm. You're passionate about leadership? Yeah. 
it's just, I think that we need really great leaders and, and to be able to lift each other up uh, as leaders is mm -hmm. something that I'm passionate about. Yeah. Yeah. So we need great leaders, right? And we need great leaders to lift each other up. Mm -hmm. Right. So in the first, the first sense, right? I just kind of reflected back what you said, but in the form of a question. Yeah, right. And so it's it's more about like how we say it. Mm -hmm. More about, yeah, the connection. So you, you gave me a connection. You connected with me and how you said it. Not mm -hmm. just like your professor said, which he had good intent, but the impact was missing. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right? He had good intent in terms of, Yes, the words are right. You 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 did what he said, but then the impact is you, you gotta we wanna include the connection part and don't yeah. get that as parents, as managers, as leaders with authority over mm -hmm. others, we want, you know, and you have good intentions. Um, just be aware that just because you have good intentions doesn't mean that you're making the impact. Um and so just being a more uh, aware and intentional with your own biases. Uh, and be able to say things that so that the other person receives it right mm -hmm. and that requires your full presence yeah yeah and attention I agree yeah with them going into the hole with them yeah and the that. other thing that I wanted to mention was that as I was starting as a therapist um, I had uh, kind of like a, a young client tell me something quite traumatic. And, you know, I was just beginning as a therapist. So uh -huh. I, I didn't know what to say. I was just, I was just, yeah. I was just like, I didn't have, I didn't know what to say. Yeah. Right? And I said nothing. And then I actually started to cry mm -hmm. and we were just crying together. And in my supervision, I was telling my supervisor, I was like, oh my gosh, I failed as a therapist. Like I didn't have anything to say. We were just crying and all she said was, she just said, you did what you need, you, you did what needed to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, okay. And then a year later, I get a, a note from this client and she writes, um, she writes, thank you for not knowing what to say. Mm. Right? So sometimes that can be the perfect response. Yeah. For sure. For sure. That's beautiful. Yeah. So I think as long as it's coming from a place of presence and authenticity, yeah. Yeah. Right. you don't have to worry about coming up with the perfect response. Because again, like that connection piece, I think that connection is so important. And that's what's most meaningful is that we all have a need to feel heard and to feel understood. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That really makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that is effective communication. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Ashley. That was amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise and knowledge. I trust that um, people out there, leaders out there are, are hearing this and receiving this and using it to become better leaders. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Belinda. This is actually a great experience. This is my first podcast. So yeah. I'm honored that you had me on here and it was lovely speaking with you. Yes, yes. It was super fun and so impactful. Thank you, Ashley. Take care. Bye. Bye all.
Thanks for joining the conversation today. Are you curious on how you measure up with your ability to speak in flow? Come grab my free self-assessment at speakinflow.com forward slash assessment. This assessment only takes a couple minutes to fill out. You will get your results within five minutes. See how you measure up with your ability to speak in flow and an unshakable confidence. Take the assessment, click on the link in the comments, and I'll see you on the other side.